Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. If you're fascinated by the darker sides of humanity, join us every week on our podcast, Serial Killers, where we go deep into notorious true crime cases. With significant research and careful analysis, we examine the psyche of a killer, their motives and targets, and law enforcement's pursuit to stop their spree. Follow Serial Killers wherever you get your podcasts and get new episodes every Monday. Hello, I'm Blair Bathory, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. Whether this is your first time or you're one of the brave souls who join us every week, thank you so much for being here. Throughout history, there have been tales and legends of powerful women. We've been praised for creating life, accused of inciting wars, and everything in between. We are brave, strong, and compassionate when pushed to the edge. We're capable of anything and cannot be stopped, even if we need to summon the spirits to take care of business. So be sure not to cross a warrior woman, or you may not survive. First, a fight to the death, followed by a mother's deadly instinct. Then, the endless nightmare. Finally, in our featured story, Revenge in Plain Sight. So, wanna hear something scary? Warrior women. Following a leader because of what they believe in can be powerful, but when they don't know when to stop, it may not only lead to your death, but to the death of thousands. Like in this story based on true events from Great Britain in the year AD 60, written by Janine Pipe. As I looked down at the wound on my side, I knew I didn't have much longer to live. But despite this knowledge and indeed the pain, I was proud of what we had achieved and how I had served our queen to the best of my ability. She stood there now, filthy, bloody, half-starved, but nonetheless trying to rally the troops. There was no need, really. We would all fight for her till the end. She had a fire in her belly that spread to all of us. Hers may have been born of revenge, but ours was just as fierce. The enemy were closing in. They moved faster than us, 
and high morale was no match for fitness. Even the few of us who were not carrying life-threatening injuries were famished, exhausted. I was not sure of the last time I'd slept. We might have our wits, but our bodies were waning quickly. Suddenly, a scout came racing through the tree line. They come, he shouted. In their thousands, they come. Dread joined the pain in the pit of my belly, not for myself, but for our leader, Queen Bodica. She had already led us into battle as we defeated the Romans in London. There we wielded our swords, cutting through limbs, slicing throats, and slashing with our daggers. She was there amongst us, a superior warrior to many and an inspiration to all. We may have been victorious, but we lost a great many too. And now, as they swarmed the forest, we were no match for them. Still, despite my own trepidation, I felt pride swell in my chest as she stood now, surveying what was left of her loyal army. Silence fell as she began her address. I was whipped by the Romans when they tried to take our lands, and now I am fighting for my freedom. Think how many of us are fighting and why. We must win this battle or die. Let the men live as slaves if they want. I will not. We heard them approaching, the beat of their marching, the drum of their horses' hooves, so many more than us. It would take only moments, no matter how hard we fought for them. Each of us knew our fate in that moment, but we were the Iceni. We had lived under the reign of Prositagus, and now we served his widow. The Romans had robbed her of her status, her title, her dignity. They'd beaten her, attacked her daughters, reduced them to nothing. But this mighty woman did not bow down. She rose like a phoenix, her red hair like the proverbial flames. Incandescent rage and the need for retribution seemed to add feet to her already statuesque appearance, making her more like a warrior goddess than a mere mortal woman. We'd have thought no less of her if she'd broken after the beating she took, but it would only make her stronger and us respect her tenfold. And now with a war cry worthy of Mars himself, we threw ourselves into the final battle. We knew we wouldn't make it, but we would die for her, for her cause. As the Roman sword plunged into my chest, I knew it was my end. The soldier ripped it out and carried on as I fell to the ground. Yes, I would die for our Celtic queen. I will die for our Bodica. Have you ever heard of the fearless Celtic warrior queen? Would you have bravely followed her into battle? Do you consider yourself a warrior? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. 
Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Desperate times call for desperate measures. But how far would you be willing to go when the life of your loved ones are on the line? Like in this story inspired by Audrey. It's cold outside in the elements. My daughter Skylar looks up at me and says, There's nothing left to eat, is there? Her voice quivering. Not tonight, I replied, barely holding back my tears. It's all good, Mom, she said with a sigh. My baby had grown so fast. How the hell did it come to this? I thought as I gazed at my beautiful daughter. She's just a kid. She should be worrying about when her English assignment is due and who will take her to prom, not whether we're going to eat this week. But things have changed. The world has changed. I'm so hungry. I'm not sure how we're going to get through winter. What kind of mother lets her daughter starve? I feel Skylar shudder as an icy wind begins to swell. I pull her close to me and wrap her in my jacket. Skylar soon falls asleep. I stare down at her gaunt features. Her skin is ghostly, so pallid I could see the bone underneath. Her forehead bears the creases of an elderly woman. A waterfall of tears cascades down my cheeks. I can't stand to see my baby like this, my little bundle of joy, a frail skeleton. If only the stockpile had lasted another week, the ice would have melted and we could fish again. We could hunt rabbits and forage. The only things out in the winter are the mutants. Animals poisoned by the fallout of the explosion, then left to rot alive. I'm sorry, baby, I whisper through my tears. She's all I have left. I cradle my precious daughter close to my chest and sob as morning creeps even closer. I must have drifted off because I'm woken by the rain falling heavily on the old tarp that shelters us. Gently, I wake Skylar. She tends, groggily, to the fire and I trudge out into the rain. I hike for miles through the sleet and ash, which would have cast a bleak gray haze over the desolate land ahead. I can no longer feel the sludge in my boots. It's been hours since I left Sky, but the tempest has not ceased. The silence out here is deafening. I'm yet to hear anything besides my own breath. Ruined buildings loom over me, the shadows of frightened families imprinted upon them from the blast, relics from before the leaders destroyed the world. It really is a morbid sight. Something crunches underfoot. I glance down and recoil in disgust. It's the skull of someone fortunate enough to be killed in the initial bombing rather than dying slowly of starvation. Suddenly, from the distance, I hear, footsteps? Is there really a rabbit? Maybe even a deer? My heart races. It's definitely footsteps, heavy footsteps, 
far too heavy to be a meal. Quickly, I scan the horizon and my eyes land on a hideous beast. The gray of its skin is molted with patches of matted fur. Its snout is caked in dry blood and from its mouth protrude scores of teeth. Too many for its enormous mouth, each dripping with a vile green mucus. I should be horrified, but despite the horrific deformations of the wolf, something in its eyes is enticing. Perhaps I should just sit down. At least that way I die quickly. It's better than starving. No. I tear my eyes from the wolf's own enchanting orbs. Skylar, I must get food for Skylar. Adrenaline courses through my veins as I begin to run. I can't just leave her to starve. I huddle in an abandoned house and pray for my life. The twisted creature lets out a feverish howl as a mutant bear grabs its neck in its iron jaws. The mutants struggle and scream as I watch, frozen in shock. I regain control of my body and continue to move as the cries fall silent, giving way to the wet ripping of flesh. I run and run until I can no longer hear that awful squelching and tearing. Finally, I stop to catch my breath. I begin to cry from a mixture of shock and desperation. I'm lucky to be alive, but Skylar and I will die soon if I can't find something to eat. There are no animals here, no fruit, no vegetables, just me, the snow and the houses, utterly ravaged by the war. I know what I have to do. There's no other way that Skylar will survive the winter. She's already too weak to hunt. Numbly, I reach for my knife. I slowly strike a match and hold it below the blade, the flame mesmerizing. I watch as the knife turns black and then red. I hardly feel the scorching metal against my skin. I begin to push, and then suddenly the stinging begins. It burns. I clench my jaw as the tears flow in hot streams down my face. My nose starts to run. I scream in anguish as the knife tears deeper and deeper. The pain courses like fire through my veins. Finally, after what feels like a millennium, I'm left with a bloody slab of meat and a nauseating wound. My hands are shaking uncontrollably. It takes me forever to pry open the small bottle of hand sanitizer from my first aid kit. I pour it on my wound. I rip a section from the bottom blood-soaked shirt. I fill it with snow and tie it to obscure my wound from Skylar. The world is blurred and spinning as I make my way back to my beloved daughter. I can hardly see the look of joy on her face when I tell her I got us an animal carcass for dinner. We cook it. It tastes like chicken, Skylar exclaims in delight. I chuckle. <laughs> Funny, I heard it tastes like pork. Is there anyone in your life you would sacrifice everything for? Has anyone ever done that for you? What kind of willpower do you think that would take? Sometimes we don't know what we're capable of until we're put into an impossible situation. Then there's no telling how far you can go or how dangerous you'll be to survive. Like in this story inspired by Giara. Stonewall University was no stranger to mysteries. It was a school of innovation and invention 
Experiments took place there all the time, but the most recent, codenamed The Slice, had its consequences. Rumor had it that The Slice was an attempt to open a portal to another world. There'd been an explosion at the Science and Engineering Hall, followed by an earthquake. Malia remembered even a second of it. She'd woken in a cold sweat to pictures tumbling from her walls, shuddering furniture, and screeching hallmates. But the weird part? That earthquake hadn't affected anything outside Stonewall's gates. That made covering it up easy. Since the experiment, Stonewall had experienced tons of anomalies, strange sicknesses, odd gaps in time, and missing students, including Malia's friend, Tammy Garrison. The higher-ups had appeased the media with promises of everything being all right, string of bizarre coincidences. Malia accepted that. Sure, it was weird, but what else could it be? It was a dark night when Malia got her answer. She awoke to a distant... It almost sounded like croaking. What was croaking at this time of night? Was that coming from the dorm hall? The clock read 3 a.m. With 8 a.m. classes, everybody should have been asleep. Her roommate, Jenna, had woken too. She stood from her bed, moving to swing the door open. Nothing, aside from the flicker of hallway lights. Malia stepped out beside Jenna, sighing. It's probably one of the boys again. It was coming from the common room. Could boys even make those noises? Maybe it was Devin, and she could yell at him for it. Devin, Malia shouted, stomping toward the common room. Devin, we're trying to sleep. Why was the common room so far away? She didn't remember taking that many steps to get there. She froze when she saw it. The creature before her was tall, thin, lanky, and sprouting with black, twig-like fungi. Its face was void of eyes. Instead, there were rows of sharp, shark-like teeth. Malia cried out. The creature howled, the click shuddering in its throat, and sprung away, disappearing into the dormitory hallway. Wait, the hallway? That wasn't the common room. It was another hallway, long and seemingly endless. Rows of dorm doors stretched ahead, on and on. Malia gripped Jenna's arm, swallowing back her screams of terror. This wasn't their dormitory. A slam ripped them from that thought. The girl spun back. Their dorm door had shut, closed, all on its own. They sprinted for it, fumbling with the handle, begging and pleading. The door swung open, but the comfort of their dorm didn't greet them. It was just another hallway. At the end of it was a red and black splatter streaked against the walls. Pieces of fungi were strewn across the floor alongside what looked like a bracelet. Malia rushed forward, plucking the bracelet up. Rainbow beads, baby blue flowers and initials. TG, she recognized it. It belonged to Tammy Garrison, her recently missing friend. This endless dormitory was that where the students were going? Were they being torn into this alternate reality? Or was this all just a nightmare? Tammy's bracelet felt too real, too firm. It didn't feel like a dream. Jenna whispered that they had to get out of there. 
as she began to yank the dorm doors open one by one. Each led to the same thing, hallway after hallway, but at least that monster wasn't. The girl spurred into action, sprinted from door to door, desperately trying to lose the creature. Still, the clicking echoed all around. Listening, following, catching up, keep running, keep running, keep running. Malia and Jenna skidded to a stop. Right ahead, right there, stood Tammy Garrison. Sprouting from her mouth, nose, and ears was that black fungus. Her eyes, once blue, were now milky white. She was now more bone than skin, her joints cracking and snapping into awkward angles. Tammy, Malia whispered. Tammy sprung forward, tackling Jenna. The fungus stretched from her grasping mouth, reaching for Jenna's face. The hallways erupted with clicks, groans, and howls. There were more, and they were coming. Malia had lost Tammy, but she wasn't gonna lose Jenna too. She bulldozed against Tammy, slamming her into the wall. Jenna scrambled up. Tammy snarled, nails hooking into Malia's pajamas. She ripped Malia back, spikes of fungus jutting into her throat. Jenna screamed, yanking Malia from Tammy's hold. The fungus burrowed into Malia's throat, and it began to sprout. Jenna met her roommate's eyes, terrified, strong, accepting, but also determined. She ripped a door open. Get out of here, Jenna! Malia shoved her through, then slammed it shut. No, no! Jenna scrambled up, yanked the door open, and... Nothing. There was no monster. No hallway. No Malia. Jenna? Devin poked his head out from the common room, an inquisitive grin on his face. He scooped a forkful of ramen into his mouth, as if this was a normal night. He asked what she was doing. The endless dormitory with its hallways and doors to nowhere had vanished. It hadn't been a dream. Jenna was there, back in their dorm, and Malia was gone. Whoever had done it, whoever opened the slice, whoever had covered it up, Jenna was going after them, their lies. She would expose them, the slice. It would be closed forever. But the most important thing, she was going to find Malia first and bring her back, no matter what. Have you ever suffered the loss of a friend or thought they had changed and it was something supernatural? Or were you able to do anything to help? Before our final story, we just wanted to remind you that if you have a story you are dying to share, send it to us by emailing somethingscary at snarled.com. In our final story, join my co-host Stephanie as she tells the tale of the Furies, inspired by Nicole, and animated over on youtube.com slash snarled. There always seems to be that one coworker who gets under everyone's skin even at companies with good work cultures. But that person should beware, because when a colleague finally decides that they can't take it anymore, the wrath may be deadly. Miley worked at a coffee and cronuts. She was looking up at the counter when her new coworker, Arenas, walked in. Despite Arenas barely uttering a word her entire shift, Miley was thrilled to be working with anyone besides her boss, Chaz. And Arena seemed to be catching on quickly and focused on getting her work done. 
Miley was happy to see Richardson, her favorite customer, come through the door. Every day, he ordered the same black coffee and paid for it with a detailed drawing on a napkin. I love it, said Miley, as she stared at the image of a woman with snakes for hair, bat-like wings, and bloody tears streaming down her face. That's a fury, Richardson said. Miley pinned it behind her on a court board covered in dozens of Richardson's other mythical illustrations. He struck Miley as socially awkward, but his art was amazing. Furies are deities of vengeance, he continued. They have to be summoned in order to punish someone. They lash them to death with studded whips. Miley smiled at his colorful imagination, but before she had time to think any more about it, Chaz walked in. Guess what? I'm being made general manager, he said. Miley's stomach sank, as did her smile. There were already complaints about Chaz from other employees. Three had quit in the last month due to his temper. Miley had already dodged his anger and his petty outbursts. But now she and Arenas were the only ones left. Arenas was quiet and new and would be harder for Chaz to bully. Miley knew she would be his next target. And it didn't take long. If Miley was running late, he'd shove warning papers in her face. He told her to quit school because this is as far up the corporate ladder she'd get. One night, he berated her in front of customers. Arenas just looked away. Finally, one night after they closed up, Miley was in the office counting the drawer and Arenas swept the floor. Chaz entered the office and locked the door. Within seconds, he flew into a tirade, knocking money to the floor. He shouted she was useless and couldn't even count. He pushed Miley out of the way, knocking her to the floor. She crawled out as fast as she could and ran outside past Arenas, crying. Arenas ran for her purse, and that's when Chaz came up from behind her, grinning. He grabbed her face. Are you going to be trouble too? He yelled. He then jumped back. Blood streamed down her face. She was actually crying tears of blood. She smirked as she saw his fear. He watched as his eyes saw her back began to widen like something was trying to break free from under her sweater. She lunged at him, digging one hand into his arm so hard it made him cry out. With the other, she grabbed what she was looking for in her purse, a whip with metal spikes. Chaz froze, unable to defend himself as he stared at her, mesmerized as her hair appeared to dance. Arenas hissed as she began to lash him. The first one knocked him to the ground, but the ninth, all the flesh on his torso had been ripped up. He was barely hanging on. She towered over him, hair now snakes, her shoulders, huge wings behind her. With one last heave, the spikes flung straight into his skull, killing him instantly. The next morning, cop cars surrounded the place. Miley had been called into to answer some questions. Dozens of regulars waited outside trying to peer in, but all anyone could see was blood spatter on the windows and a body covered with a sheet on the floor. Miley stood in shock, surveying the carnage. She asked the police officer who was on the floor, fearing it was Arenas. 
The cop informed her it was an unidentified male. He asked if she had access to the security cameras. So she pulled out her iPad to pull up the footage, but something told her to watch it before sharing it with the police. Her face turned pale and she began to tremble. Richardson walked out of the crowd to comfort her. He explained she had seemed like she needed help and he hoped it was okay that he had called for her to punish Chaz. As the cop approached, Miley paused. Before he could see, she deleted the file. She claimed the cameras hadn't recorded anything and she never mentioned Arenas. Miley felt bad for lying to the police, but Chaz had deserved it. Richardson had known it too, as real friends always do. This week's podcast stories were edited by Sarah Lukasiewicz, Janine Pipe, and Stephanie Strange. Narration by Blair Bathory and Stephanie Strange. Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Additional audio editing by Calvin Linderman. Art and graphics by Irma Richardson. Produced by Anna Villalobos. Executive produced by Gail Gilman. Music by Sapphire Sandalo and Calvin Linderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my spooky friends, sweet screams. <laughs>